Blog Talk Radio.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going straight to prayer this morning. And uh, after prayer, uh, we're coming back to talk about the richest country, poor people in the richest country. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for another day. Father, we thank you for waking us up this morning, closing our right minds. We thank you for the use and activities of our limbs. Thank you for a mind to remember you. For, Father, so many have lost their minds, and they don't remember you first thing in the morning. We thank you for bringing us here as a group here this morning to give you the first fruit of our day here as a group. Father, we give you glory this morning. We give you honor and praise. For there's none like you. And Father, we're looking to the hills from which cometh our help. All of our help comes from you. You made the heavens and the earth. And Father, without you, we can't do anything. Nothing, God. And we need you today to lead and guide us in the right path for your name's sake. And help us to know that it's you leading us. And help us to follow your lead today. Help us to allow you to be our guide. Father, we need you. And we need you right now. Move today uh, in the name of Jesus. For the sake of your people. We know you love us. And Father, we believe that if you loved us enough to send your only begotten son, to allow him to suffer, to bleed, to hang, to die, God, we know that you love us enough to supply every need in our lives. But we need your help with trust. Many of us have trust issues. And, Lord, we need to learn to trust you. We need to learn to believe you, to believe what your, your word said concerning each of us. Help us today to be a faith-walking, God-trusting, hallelujah, people this day. November the 2nd, 2022, in the name of Jesus. Father, we bring every call and every listener before you this morning. We bring every family member, every friend this morning, near and far. And we ask today that you would move by your spirit for these, your people. Lord, move in a mighty way today. Give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Most of all, give us knowledge, God. Knowledge that we can walk according to your word. Knowledge that we can walk according to your way pleases you in the name of Jesus. Oh, we're crying out to you this morning because we need you, God. We need you today. We don't need money. We don't need stuff and things, but we need you. And, Father, without you again this morning, we can do nothing. Again this morning, move by your spirit for us each of us, in the name of Jesus. Bless the segment of Jesus in the morning. Have your way here today, O oh God. Move like never before. Open doors and make ways today, in the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Father, touch and heal those that are sick today, because, Lord, they need you. And without you, they can do nothing. Hmm. Ease the pain today, oh God. We know what the doctor said, but Father, we know you're able to turn it around right now. You're able to perform surgery right now. Do it for your people today. In the name of Jesus, dry up everything that's not like you in our bodies today. 
Oh, in the precious name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Bless those that are incarcerated in their families. Lord, bless those that are in every branch of the military. And Lord, the administration of the military this morning, moved by your spirit. Mm. Thank you today, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, bless widowers and bereaved families, intercessory prayer people, preachers everywhere, preaching in the name of Jesus and obedience unto you and love for your people. Father, we need you today. We can't make it without you. If you don't do it, it won't get done. Help us today, Lord. Mm. Bless Israel and prosper Jerusalem. Bless our brothers and sisters overseas, God. Continue to bless America and the leadership of America. And Father, remind us of the truth this morning. Lord, give us a spirit to love the truth, your truth, and help us to walk accordingly. In the name of Jesus. Supply need this morning, O God, according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. Bless Sister Sylvia Joe Jones this morning, Prophetess Coretta. Move by your spirit for these women and their children today. In the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise for all you're doing for us right now. Oh, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Lord. Again, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank him this morning. The songwriter said, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. None else can heal all our soul's diseases. Hallelujah. This is why we look to the hills from which cometh our help. All of our help comes from the Lord. He made the heavens and the earth. And if it's his, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, we want to seek God on every hand for everything. Even every little thing, we want to go to him. This morning, I was thinking and thinking on America and just thinking on the world, period. And I was thinking on these things. The key word today is God. That, that should be our key word every day. Jehovah God should be our key word. Jesus, the Son of God, should come right up under that because they're one. But we know that the Father sent the Son, so we're going to bring Jesus right up under that key word, God. Because if we forget him, there's only two, good and evil. There's only two, God and the devil. So if we're not focused on God, then we got to be focused on the devil. we got to let him in. And allow him to use our flesh to do things that's against God. So we want to be careful and let the key word be God in our life daily, daily, daily. And don't forget. Uh-huh. Because we need him. Brother Lou, I think that's doing the trick right now as I'm talking. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So look, I've said this to myself. People gone wrong in the world. People have gone wrong in the world. And I don't mean just in one country. Because America is not the world. That's one country in the world. People love stuff and things. Yeah, they like power, money, houses, cars. You know, just to, just to give you an idea of what people love and what people like. 
And they love their money. And the scripture says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but loving it. And the more they get, the more they want. People refuse to have patience. Yeah, and seek God with their whole heart and wait for him. The key is in this part of it is to wait. Patience. I waited on the Lord and he comes. I didn't even know I was waiting on him. I didn't even know he heard me. I was talking, hoping that there was a God. And when he come in, he showed me that he was real. Because I said, I want to be as real in you as you are real. When he come, he showed me. Was it no lightning in the sky? Was it no big, drawn-out things? Prayer was important. Communicating with him was very important. Mm -hmm. I noticed that right off. So I was able to pray. And I didn't have a certain way that I prayed, but I, I talked to him more about him and me obeying him than I did about stuff and things. Yeah. And I saw that he pleased with that. And he began to bless me. He began to bless me to understand the scripture. See, all my life I have been in the church. I come up in the church, good godly parents. And I never really took a whole lot of time uh, reading no Bible. What? What are you talking about? There were times when I didn't want nobody to know that I had been raised in the church. I was a church girl in college. I sung in the church choir. But the scripture says, I'm ashamed of him, he's going to be ashamed of me before his father. So once he come in, once I found him and he came in, it changed all of that. I think I got your mic open, Sister Jerry. Wait a minute. I'm going to close it back and see if that helps. Okay. We fixed it. Not only that, I began to listen to Apostle Paul teaches. Romans was important to me, Corinthians, first and second. The book of Acts, that New Testament was real important to him all the way through Revelation. All of because I needed to know these things to live in a world where the world did not make God number one. So I had to go on in him and listen to Apostle Paul. Uh, Barbara, don't be ashamed of the gospel. It had power to save you. Don't be afraid to pray in the public. Don't be ashamed to pray out loud. Not only does our God hear, but he answers. All this kind of thing come up. You see, this was the word of God, but God was speaking in my spirit through his word. I hear an audio voice, but it was in me. I could hear it in me. Uh, yeah, through his spirit, because he filled me. He baptized me in his spirit. I had to have it. It was the only way I could keep walking with him. The scriptures say, how can two walk together except they agree, unless they agree? We got to agree to walk together. Those that come every morning here, they agree. So if we agree 
and I'm agreeing with the word of God, you're agreeing with the word of God, we'll be, we're going to be blessed. It don't make us rich. It don't make us not have problems in our lives, severe things. It don't make us not lose loved ones. Uh, sometimes divorce comes. Yeah, sometimes children don't want nothing to do with us anymore. Friends leave us, all kind of things. But we yet got to remember our Redeemer live. We yet must stay with him. He's the most important thing in this world you could ever have. Because, see, one thing I've learned over the years, he can fix any problem. And, and, and the longer you seek him, the more you seek him, and the more you desire him, the more he's going to teach you things. The more he's going to show you things. Listen, when my daughter, my oldest daughter passed away, I never knew I could hold this together like that. <clears throat> I never knew I could go on. I never knew I could walk to a casket and see my youngin laying there and be all right. I never knew I could do that. I never knew I could give a eulogy for someone close to me. I had a nephew to pass away, and he and I was close, but I was able to do that because I hadn't seen him in a very long time. But when my youngin passed away, it was different, y'all. But he held me. He kept me. He strengthened me through all of this. I know some mothers who, like Sister Samoa, who has lost a child. I know they know about that feeling. But even in that, he's yet God. He's yet the God that have all power. So again, our key word of every day going to be God, and right up under that, we're going to put his son, Jesus, because we have to go through Jesus to get to him, because Jesus is our mediator. He takes our request. He takes our petition to the Father. So we must have patience to wait on God. If you're seeking God, I don't care what you're seeking him for. If you, if you don't believe he's real, if you don't know he's real, and you're seeking him to find out he's real, you must have patience to wait on him. And you got to seek him from a sincere place from your heart. It can't be lip service. It's got to be heart service because God deals with the heart. He hear what we say, but he's looking at what we're doing. I don't know how many people have gone to talk to him uh, from a sincere place in their heart. Uh, now, sometimes when we go into him about family member, children, money, you know, stuff and things, we'll talk to him from a sincere place. But how many people have gone to him from a sincere place to seek him, to seek his will for their lives, to know him for yourself? Because we got too many uh, preacher-living people. We live off what the preachers say. We live off what the TV evangelists say. But I want to live off what God said. Anybody agree? I want to know him for myself. I don't want people tricking me. I don't want to think that what they're saying is the truth, and it's not the truth. So I want to go to the source for myself. 
And he said we could come unto me all that are burdened and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Those are his words. Seek me with your whole heart. Trust in me with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge me. I will direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear me and depart from evil. But we must pay attention and stay focused. When we get married, we stay focused in the marriage. The husband trying to please the wife. The wife trying to please the husband. God is cut out of there somewhere. We have children. We're trying to raise these children. We're trying to obey the school rules and, and this rule. And, and God is cut out of there somewhere. We're trying to provide for our families, you know. We're trying to work, make money, keep the electric on, the house payment, the car payment, insurance, so many things. But I promise you, if you give more to God, he'll show you the way. He'll even open a special door for you, an uncommon door for you. And if you give more than you receive, you're going to have more. I know somebody said, uh-uh, I'm not going to have more because I'm giving more out. And if I'm giving more, I'll have because it's more blessed to give than to receive. But in today's world, the way it appears that this thing is going, you don't give too much away because you won't have nothing. I listened to a lady talk about the Republicans and how things are going up, and she's uh, on disability and she's elderly. And, you know, they went up $450 on a rent or something. But let me tell you, they did all of that to many of us. But all I can say for you this morning is I know my Redeemer lives. God did not bring me this far to drop me off. My giving is not in vain. My work is not in vain. He showed that to me from the project to here. He showed me. If you obey me when your assignment is up, I'm going to bless you with your heart desire. But we want the, the needs of our heart met. We want what we want met first. And then we're still not going to do much for God. Oh, we'll talk about him a little bit on the job. And uh, we might, you know, say we're ministers or preachers or whatever. And we might do a little bit at the church and, you know, every blue moon. But we're not going to make him our daily focus. We're not going to be focused on being a daily witness unto him and whatever he says to do, we'll do it. I can remember in the summer, it was so hot. As they say, you could fry egg on the sidewalk. This Florida, it don't play no games in the summer all year long, really. It's going to get up to 85 today, and we in the month of October. Listen, when I obeyed God, I went with the management to sign up for the children to get a uh, free lunch during the summer. They bring these lunches out. And somebody has to be responsible for passing the lunches out to the children when it's all said and done, clean up everything and get prepared for the next day. God called me to do it. I did it. There were many other things. Uh, 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 the young young girls out there uh, uh, did arts and crafts with them. I didn't know much about boys. I'd never been a boy. I don't know how to be a boy. But I did what I could for the boy like I would for my sons. 
uh, folk having fights, and I break up the fight. Could have got shot, stabbed, killed, whatever. He sent me, I went. He kept me safe. When the assignment was over, he moved me out of there and blessed me beyond my wildest imagination. God is real this morning. We got to make him real to us. His word is real. His word is sharper than any two-edged sword. What he set out for his word to do, it won't return void to him, but we got to make him real to us. And we must apply his word to our everyday lives. Yeah, I'm sharing this this morning because time is winding up. The world is getting wickeder and wiser. The rich is getting richer. And I'm thinking if the rich found wiser ways to get richer, if the wicked found wiser ways to be more wicked, shouldn't the church find ways to be more godly? We're the church. I'm not talking about that building. That building can't do nothing but just sit there. And God is not up in no cold, dead building, a hot building. He's not a dark, hot building. He's not there. He come into the building when we bring him into the building because we bring him in in us. So we need to pray for his spirit. Yeah. We need to pray for his spirit and God can move for us, each of us. But we must seek him and we must really want him and really want to live his ways. And don't think more of ourselves than we ought to. And don't say, I got God. They need to get him for themselves. The harvest is plenteous again this morning. But the labors are few. And we pray that the Lord of the harvest will send more labors. But how about the labor he called or chose you for? What are you doing with that? Or do you even know today? And are you, listen, I was a member of a church. Not the church I, I, I'm associated with now. That's what we call it, church membership. But long before that, before I went to Alabama, I was a, a member of a church, served on the Usher Bowl, cooked breakfast every Sunday morning, before Sunday school, way before Sunday school. Most Sunday school started at 9 o'clock, so, you know, if they, we going to have breakfast before we go to Sunday school, I had to get up very early, get dressed, and get to the church. Served. But listen. That was servitude. I needed to live something before God. Not just show him the works. Anybody can work. Restaurant owners can cook. Fast food places can put out food. But who going to live this word? Who's living up to God's expectation? And the reason I say his expectation, because there will be days. When we fall short. But in our falling short, he's yet there. And when we realize we've fallen short, then we go to him in repentance, asking him to strengthen us that when this come up again, it won't find us short. It won't fall me it won't find me laying down in regret that I've sinned against God. Because if I know it's wrong and I do it, it's a sin. Find me to stand up to that thing and just say no. Hallelujah. Because I'm no longer in bondage. 
Zach Williams said, I'm no longer a slave to sin. Hallelujah. For I am a child of God in my early morning voice. Oh, I love that. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Hallelujah. For I am a glory. Hallelujah. A child of God. Thank you, Jesus. He made it possible to redeem us back to him. And those of us that believe and understand he should be the God of our life every day. We should give him our all and all and all and all. Because look what he did for us. I was a sinner. Still can sin. Still can do wrong. But I was a sinner with no conscience. I was in bondage to sin. Ah, yeah. He brought me out. He set me free. For whom the Son set free is free indeed. I don't have to do it now. I can just say no to it. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. I look for a word from the Lord for myself. And he don't just give me a word, but he give me the word, and that's a difference. See, sometimes God speaks hot off the press, direct from heaven, right now. And some days he speaks from the scripture that he inspired man to write. So sometimes he takes me back to the word, his word, his written word. And then days when I speak hot off the press, direct from heaven, right now, in my spirit. Don't feel that. I don't go there. Yeah. A word from the Lord. Hallelujah. Then there are days that he'll speak the word. He'll tell me things like, my word is a lamp unto your feet. It's a light unto your path if you're willing to follow it. Look at that. Yeah, because I have a relationship with him. I'm in communication. I'm not perfect. I'm striving for perfection but I haven't reached it yet. I haven't gone back to be with him. He haven't come and declared me my spot in heaven just yet. So I have to keep going in him. Hallelujah. I have to keep working unto him. Not that the work saved me. It was his grace, his mercy, and most of all, his love that saved me. But these works that I'm doing, is so that somebody can be blessed. It's so that somebody can come out of darkness into this marvelous light. Everybody don't want to, that's in darkness don't want to stay there. They want the light to shine and they want to comprehend. Because too many, the light shone and they couldn't comprehend. They stayed in darkness. For some, man loves evil more than good. But some people want to learn to love good more than evil. But they need somebody who will come and tell them the truth. They need somebody who will come out to them in love, not judgment, but in love. For in loving kindness, God drew me, and he will draw others. Plenty is, but the labors are few. And again, this morning, we pray that the Lord of the harvest will send more laborers. But again, I want to remember the labor that he chose me for. I want to go out and work unto him in the vineyard. Sometimes it may just be giving somebody a ride and you have gospel music on. Oh, you you in the church? Yeah. 
I don't mean that building. I mean I'm in Jesus and he in me. Hallelujah. He's the head of the church. You understand? And died for it. So that's my calling card. That's my opportunity to witness. Because some days he don't just lead me straight in. He let the people come and, and, and lead themselves into him. And then he bring it on out. Oh, yeah. He, he got a mighty sweet way today. He do it all kind of ways. In the Walmart. Yeah, all kind of places. In the insurance company. The doctor's office. Wherever we go. There's somebody there that needs Jesus. Oh, uh, yeah. Hallelujah. So, look, yet now, we must go to see God. And, again, from a sincere place in our heart or from our hearts, we got to seek him for real. We got to wait on him. And you'll know when he comes, oh, yes, you will. It will be an experience of things uh, you never said or maybe even never done for. You never prayed to see because the way I prayed, once I received him, I had never prayed that way before. My focus wasn't like that. See, my focus wasn't on understanding his word. My focus wasn't on a personal prayer life. My focus was on how cute I could look in the public. <laughs> just how that Theon nail polish was going to hit just right. They just how them cute little shoes, you know. With the little cute outfit was going to hit just right. How my hair was braided, you know, and, and the trinkets I had in the braided hair that when people look at, oh, girl, who did your hair? That was my focus. My focus was sending my children to school clean every day. They may not have worn expensive name brand stuff, but I wanted to be sure that they was clean from top to bottom daily. My focus was on cooking the best meal I could for my children. It wasn't on the scriptures. It wasn't on God. It wasn't on walking upright, living upright. It, it, it was on the next cute man, the next handsome man, the next fine man. That's where my focus was. Oh, but when he come in, I lost the taste for all of that. Yeah. I lost the taste for the world. But I got a bigger appetite for God. And his word. It would give me great pleasure to just sit in the living room with my Bible and just read. And I'm understanding what I read. What I read is making sense to me. Where before I didn't, what? Baby got who when they got what? Sammy was who? She was out there saying something and her lips weren't moving. Who does that? Just foolishness. But once I received him, I began to understand. Hannah was Samuel's mother, and she wanted a child. And she was out there praying. Her lips was moving, but you couldn't hear nothing. And the prophet Eli said, you drunk? Now, Lord, I ain't been drinking nothing. I need you to pray for me. I desire a child. He prayed for her. She went on. And she told the Lord, if you give me a child, I'm going to give it back to you. God blessed her with Samuel. He took Samuel back to the priest Eli to work in the house of the Lord. You see, the same things that took place back then, they can take place today. The sick can be healed today. The dead can be raised today. The crippled can be healed today. The lame can walk. The blind can see today. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Yes, and the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. But how real is God to you? How real is he? A lot of things God is trying to take from us, but we holding on, oh, I want that. I can't let it go. Oh, my living room suit, you want me to get rid I can't give them that living room suit. I paid $3,000 for that living room suit. I want that. God said, give it up. Let the living room suit go. He don't always tell you they need it more than you. He don't always tell you, if you give this $3,000 living room suit up, I'm going to give you a 10000 He don't tell you none of that. He's speaking your spirit and see if you're going to do it. Obedience is better than the sacrifice. But we must continue to seek God. The key word must be God and Jesus right up under it. Yeah. We must want more of him and less of the world. Whatever state we're in, we want to learn to be content. Okay, so I'm living in a $50,000 house. And my family haven't grown. The house is still, it'll meet our needs. There's no need for me wanting a $250,000 house when it's 50000 when we work. What I pray for is that God give me the money to fix up the $50,000 house to make me more comfortable. And I got room if I have to bring guests or somebody to live there, I, I have the room. And the community where I live, I'm not running from the devil. But I'm letting my light shine. And others are coming to the Lord from that community, whether it be the ghetto or rich neighborhood. Others are coming to God because they see I'm the candidate that sit on the hill that can't be hid. Oh, yeah, I'm not running. I see people running, oh, I don't want to live in the ghetto. I'm scared. Now, God brought me out this far so I could have peace and quiet in my older years because the doorbell never stopped knocking and, and, and never stopped ringing. People never stopped coming and going. And it was my time to lessen that. I'm older. I'm not doing this. As I used to do. He slowed it down. I didn't. I would have still been out there running over to Miss Jones, Mr. Brown, doing laundry. This now he slowed it down and gave me a place where I yet can work under him comfortably. Uh huh. But all of it comes through seeking him to find what his will is, not mine, but his. We got to seek him again this morning from a sincere place or from our hearts, a sincere place in our hearts. Wait on it. Again, you'll know when he comes. You'll experience things you never said or maybe even done before. And one of the first things is you'll accept the truth about yourself. That's one of the first things I did. I saw where I was an undone wreck. <laughs> I saw where I was no good. I saw where I was a liar, a cheater, a thief. I saw it, a fornicator. I saw all these things by myself. And nobody influenced me to do nothing. I did it on my own. Nobody influenced me to smoke weed, uh, drink crown roll. No, no, they didn't influence me. I influenced myself. 
Budweiser, yeah, I wanted that. Well, nobody there come out, come on, Barbara, let's drink. No, I don't drink like that. I, I, they call it socially. <laughs> I drink sociably on my own. A lot of times by myself. I hear the toke of weed. I'm alone and just chilling, as I called it, full of the devil. Y'all hear what I say? Just full of spirit. But I found out one day I needed this risen Savior. I found out one day I needed to be free, set free. I found out one day without God, I can do nothing. And I went to him. I started remembering back all these things that I'd done and was doing and through all of the midst of everything, the smoke cleared and I could see God brought me. Well, I thought I was bringing myself, I thought I was waking myself up every morning, you know, going over there to Bell South working, well, South Central Bell. I thought I was the one choosing, you know, a car. God was opening doors for me. I didn't even realize. I thought it was me. I thought I woke me up every morning, whether it was by alarm clock or habit. I thought I had the skills to cook. Them was my skills. I just knew how to do it. No, God brought me. He blessed me. When I needed money, he would open up a little tiny window. And I, 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 well, I'm going to call it a big window. Folk would come and get their taxes done. Do you hear me? He would open up some way, somehow, that I could work and make some money. And I didn't have to leave my children if I didn't. Or I could be there in time to pick them up from school. No school bus and all of that. I didn't like all of that. God is faithful. And he is on our side today. And it does not mean we're not going to go through things. But he's going to be right there. And whatever you're going through, it's going to end up being your testimony if you will allow it to be. I don't go back in my past unless I want to testify. I don't want to go back there, oh, war is me, oh, when this happened, oh, they did me like that, oh, I wish they wouldn't have done. I don't go back there with the pity party and all of that. I don't have pitiful cookouts. Even I don't go to the cemetery visiting mom and dad and my sister and my brother. I don't I don't do all of that. I learn to accept what God allow and pray for strength and holy boldness. Because we gotta be set aside from the world. See, there, there has got to be a difference between you and the world. Otherwise you're doing what the world do. He said, come out from among them and be separated. You be my people and I'll be your God. But how does people know that you are of God? Because you talk. Talk is cheap. Again, this morning, he hear what we say, but he's looking at what we're doing. But there should be some sign to the world that you are of God, whether it be your dress code, the way you carry yourself. And again, this morning, I don't recommend TV to nobody. I don't recommend TV no more because TV is, 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 the devil is the prince of the air. I'm going to say it that way. News, stressful, and lies. I don't, I don't have time for that. 
And he said a liar won't tarry in his sight, so I'm not going to be a part listening to lies. I don't have time. And what they're broadcasting is news today. It's not news. He's got all power. All power is on my side. Nothing is going to slip up on me, not with all power being on my side. He said if he be for me, he's more than the whole world against me. Well, then go ahead, Barbara, and believe it. That's what I do. Yeah. And you hear all of this complaining, I do, a lot of complaining from people that won't give God the time of day. Do y'all hear what I say? And he woke them up this morning. But all the complaining. They say it's the Republicans' fault. Yeah, the Democrats, they trying to do this and give to the people, but the Republicans won't do it. When I looked at it, saw the Republicans trying to make every tub stand on its own bottom. Now, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I'm not perfect. But that's what I saw. I I, I didn't see the Republicans giving the people who's able-bodied. They can go to work, but they refuse to do it. And they live off the government and take from the children that the government is giving to the children. Oh, I saw all kind of things. But they say America is the richest country. And it's too many poor people here for it to be the richest country. Now, that's, that's, that's what I heard. And I'm sharing with you what I heard. And we're going to take a listen to some things. We're going to take a listen. But I want to go to this one, this one request this morning right quick. And when we come back, we're going to talk about where well, we're going into uh, poverty in the USA being poor in the world's richest country. That's what we'll take a listen to when we come back. But let me get with Miss Dorothy Norwood this morning because when there's a praise in the temple, hallelujah. Oh, it's blessings in the house. I can tell you that. Hallelujah. <laughs>
In Southern California, the sun rises over San Diego Bay. Next to a parkway in this parking lot, 54-year-old Maria begins her day. Straighten my bed. <laughs> this car is her home. This is every day. <laughs> this routine about stretching my bed. Maria no longer has a place to live. She's been sleeping in her van for a year now. Looks pretty nice. You don't, you don't see, it doesn't seem that you live here, but um, you do. I have seen people with their cars so messy and things all over the place. And how can I go to work with my life like that? I mean, I have to have a little order, you know, because it's, it's what we need to continue. It's, uh, it's not that perfect, but it's, it's the way I want and um, makes me feel better. Just like Maria, around 30 other people sleep overnight in their car in this free parking lot. Nevertheless, most of them work. They're security guards, Uber drivers, secretaries, or even computer technicians. Maria is a cleaner and a carer, exhausting work that she does seven days a week. Yeah, uh, depends where my car is. If it's like this, I won't. It has to be flat, because my back hurts if it's like that. Or... To provide some comfort for all these people, an organization has supplied them with a water point portable toilets, and a small outdoor kitchen where Maria prepares her morning coffee before going to work. This kind of bullet, bulletproof coffee is <laughs> very famous in the United States. <laughs> Maria's fall from grace is a situation that affects thousands of other Americans. For a long time, she had everything she always wanted. She was married and lived in this beautiful house. But after five years of living together, her blissful marriage suddenly fell apart. He kind of dumped me, dumped me. He said, okay, it didn't work, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye, see you later. I said, what? No, I don't have a place, no home. I'm a homeless. No bed, no, no furniture, no house, so it's just my car. I have a seat here, <laughs> and um, yeah, that's the way it is. Maria didn't get to keep a single thing. She preferred to leave everything to her ex-husband and turn over a brand new leaf. But over the last several years in California, the cost of rent has risen so much that her salary of 1,500 euros was not enough to afford an apartment. Ever since then, every morning before heading to work, she goes to this gym. She exercises for 45 minutes, but she mainly comes for another rather urgent need. I had to take this decision because I had no place to shower. One time I didn't shower for a week. It feels terrible. 
Let me tell you. You feel like a homeless, stinky. <laughs> so I thought, what should I be doing? So I thought, oh, a gym. So I came here. Her membership costs her 40 euros a month, the cost of continuing a near normal life. Upon leaving the gym, no one would notice that Maria no longer has a house and that she sleeps in her car. Yeah. I have a wonderful job because of that. Because if I don't shower, nobody's going to hire me. I'm going to be homeless. No car, no nothing. My, my world's going to go drop, you know, and what am I going to be doing? I'll be completely 100% homeless. <laughs> oh, no. Kill myself. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Maria is just one of many middle-class American citizens who have, in recent years, fallen into poverty. Officially, America is great again. Since the 2008 crisis, the economy has never been stronger, a record-breaking growth. And unemployment has dropped to a historical low, less than 4%, an upturn for which Donald Trump has claimed all the credit. There has never been a better time to start living the American dream. But despite what the president affirms, the famous American dream is far from being achieved. In the United States, 40 million people are living below the poverty line, and millions of workers will go to great lengths to stay above it. You get money? Are you familiar with plasma? You give Okay. I do that twice a week. Becoming homeless overnight is what these Americans fear most because here, the system is not very kind to those short of cash. You better catch up real quick, or you're gonna have a judgment of possession against you and get addicted. In some states, being late on your rent is no laughing matter. Here, one by one, tenants are evicted at gunpoint. Where am I gonna sleep? I can sleep in the hotel if I need to. <laughs> For these Americans on the verge of ruin, seeking medical treatment can cost a fortune hard to eat and take your medicine too because you may not get one or the other. So some people are standing up in solidarity, making sure they're taken care of free of charge in field hospitals, not unlike those found in a country at war, an insight into the lives of those who cannot scrape a living in the heart of destitute America. San Diego in Southern California. 300 days of sunshine a year, beaches as far as the eye can see, an idyllic setting, a picture postcard California. San Diego is also one of the most dynamic cities in the country. Here, unemployment is practically non-existent. This dream lifestyle was once an everyday reality for Eric. He was a successful computer engineer, earning 7,000 euros a month. Today, at 53 years old, this man lives alone in his car. And to eat for free, he's made an agreement with the employees of a pizzeria. Hello. How are you today? Good, and you? Good. Thank you. What do you take here? Uh, th these are the slices that they have in their display that uh, they have them for too long, then they put them in the fridge for me so that they uh, donate them. 
Eric comes every evening to pick up some pizza. Well, thank you very much. Very much appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. He's going to share these unsold slices with other victims of poverty because for a year and a half, Eric has been sleeping in this parking lot, the one where Maria, the cleaner, also lives. With his pizza, he makes his neighbors very happy. There's a lot. Like Lorella, a 55-year-old Uber driver. That's good. You're hungry? Yeah, we're hungry. Did you eat I, today? No. No? No, I had a drive all day today. In his former life, Eric also worked a lot, 50 hours a week. But four years ago, he suffered a burnout, as well as a series of health problems, including problems with his heart. He could not work and received unemployment benefits for six months. And then, nothing at all. I thought I could handle it. I thought it would get better. Um, but it, uh, it took a toll. And after several years of, of just dealing with doctors and going burning through my savings, um, I ended up... Uh, basically burning through everything and, and was, couldn't afford to, to stay in an apartment any longer. Eric is trying to pick himself up. Nowadays, he's doing temporary work and is saving up to be able to rent an apartment. After her long day at work, Maria is back. You tired? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, where I work is a little hard yeah, because... Um, uh, I have to lift a lady. She's very heavy. Back and forth, back and forth. But um, nine hours is not. It's a it's a lot of hours. But I'm okay. <laughs> Thirsty. My food. My bed. I'm ready to jump in my bed. Becomes <laughs> very tired. At half past nine at night, the gates close. From this point onward, no more cars can enter the parking lot. At night, there isn't a security guard. And even though there hasn't been any attacks, this doesn't reassure Maria. I close the door, put the windows down, like this much, and put the alarm. If somebody's trying to break in, I will know. I got my pepper spray. And my, my cutter. Somebody's trying to break in? Psh, spray. Yeah, because you never know. <laughs> That's it. A few meters away, Eric is getting ready to spend another night in his car, even though the passenger compartment is full to the brim. The former computer engineer will sleep sitting behind the wheel, certainly far from the comforts of his old life. Um, and one thing that I've really found out about this is that, you know, the typical stereotype of, um, you know, the homeless person being lazy and not wanting to work or being a drug addict. Uh, it, that may be the case in some places and some, and some, but the people I've come through in this program, most of them are very hardworking, uh, people that want to get ahead, that have either have some, some health issues or have, some, have had a streak of bad luck, or for whatever reason, um, they've you know, come into this, this, this uh, situation. Some people are able to get out of it quickly, some people it takes longer. California is a state of stark contrasts. Despite being the sixth largest economy in the world, more and more of its workers can no longer afford somewhere to live. 
But there is another state where the system is even more unforgiving. This state is Virginia, right next to Washington, D.C., and in particular, its capital city, Richmond. Richmond is a former industrial city. Here, a quarter of the population live beneath the poverty threshold. Richmond also holds an unfortunate record. This city has one of the highest rates of eviction in the United States. There are 3,000 evictions per year. That's 25 times more than in Paris. The evictions are a routine job for Officer Loyal from the Sheriff's Office. Several times a week, he distributes these yellow documents. Hey, how are you? Does uh, Candace live here? Okay. This is a notice that I've placed on your door. It's an eviction notice. You need to get in touch with the management property, the manager here, if you feel that's incorrect. But we set an eviction for August the 7th at 9 o'clock. Yeah, I talked to Okay, thank you, ma'am. In the state of Virginia, the law is strict. If the rent is late by five days, the landlord has the right to begin the eviction process. A few weeks later, the tenant receives a notice on their door. Do you know what it is? You I know, know what it is? is. You have only one week to get out. Yeah. It's not a lot. I know. Well, we'll figure it out. I already know what. Sometimes, carried away by his own enthusiasm, Officer Loyal is not always accurate. Individual's name. Hey, how are you? Are you, are you, uh... No. Does she live here? No, this is, uh, this is, that's me. It's me. This woman, who has nothing to feel guilty about, got away with nothing more than a fright. I'm sorry, ma'am, we're at the wrong apartment. Thank you. The threatened tenants have one week to settle their debts. Otherwise, they face eviction by force. And Officer Loyal does not show much sympathy. This morning, he and his colleague must evict the person that lives in this house. And just like arresting a dangerous criminal, they enter the home armed with guns. Take back. Okay. Right now, the tenant is not at home. And clearly, he's not had time to vacate the premises. As for the landlord, he immediately reclaims his property. On average, in France, it takes a year and a half to evict someone, whilst here, it happens in almost an instant. In less than two months, everything is settled. Check everything? I'm checking the windows now. Why? To make sure the house is secure. The tenant has just arrived and is in shock. She had been renting the house for seven years. A single mother to a grown-up daughter, she works, but has frequently struggled to make ends meet. 
She can only pick up her belongings the next day. Otherwise, everything will go to the junkyard at her expense. It's just going to be easier on you, like the vehicle that's in the backyard mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. if, you, if you have it removed, because if he has a tow company remove mm-hmm. it, then that's an added expense that you'd be looking at. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's fine. Do you think all this is a little bit harsh? Do I think it's harsh? No, he got to do what he got to do, and I got to do what I got to do. Where are you going to uh, sleep? Where am I going to sleep? Yeah. I can sleep in the hotel if I need to. <laughs> the hotel? Yeah, I can. Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. She's wow. thrown out on the streets with no room for negotiation. This is the only way to make her tenant move? That's up to her, if that's the only way. She said she would move before this. Didn't move. <laughs> maybe, maybe she had nowhere to go. Uh, you know, she never did say that to me. There are around 10 evictions just like this one every day in Richmond. As a consequence of this express justice, budget hotels on the outskirts of the city have become a refuge for those who've been kicked out of their homes. Some people stay there for a very long time. This is the case for David, a 38-year-old gardener. What's going on, man? Same old, same old. New day. David has lived in this motel since his eviction two years ago. At the weekend, this divorced father's children come to stay over in his 10-square-meter room, for which he pays 1,300 euros a month. This is it, man. This is our bedroom, living room, uh, family room, every room. This is the little kitchen, which I cooked her eggs last night and made hamburgers, so I ain't cleaned the dishes yet. You know, we hung out, played video games. And um, bathroom. You know, got a shower, but um, that's about all. During the week, David shares this single room, which is bursting with things, with his new partner. Is it not too hard to live for two years here? Oh, man, I'm like cramped, you know. Like, obviously, if you put two people in the same room for a long enough time, it's there's you're going to bump heads and have arguments and stuff. His girlfriend has a stable job in the insurance business. As a couple, they could buy themselves a bigger and less expensive apartment, yet they remain trapped in this tiny room because their past eviction continues to haunt them. But at the time, she she was trying at first, and then I'm like, you get so beat down by going to places and stuff, and them not they're not giving you a place because they're like, oh, you had an eviction. Um, it's you know shows that you didn't pay this like two months or something like that, and um, it it definitely was detrimental to it. You know, there was no way of getting anywhere. It is almost unthinkable in Europe. But here, landlords are able to access the past of bad tenants with a few simple clicks. A systematic surveillance that has been denounced by Martin Vegbright, a lawyer and defense attorney for tenants. So, um, this database is a public database. I mean, anyone can go on to this database and, and look at it, and you can search by name. So... I'll try a common 
common American name. But there we go. Oh, Mary Gillespie. Okay. Um, there we go. And you can see five unlawful detainers. Let's see. Ten years ago, this tenant had a series of late payments. Despite being small amounts, like this $291, they can bear heavy consequences. So if I'm a landlord, I can look at that and say, well, that was 10 years ago, but I think she's too much of a risk. I don't want to rent to her. If anything bad happens to you, whether it's, you know, you get your hours cut back at work, whether you break an ankle and you're off work for a month, whether you got that car repair bill or that hospital bill or anything that just throws your budget off slightly, you better catch up real quick or you're going to have a judgment of possession against you and get evicted. So the tenant really is living under the sword of Damocles. With such a system, it's difficult to imagine how David could one day leave his motel and buy himself an apartment in which he could properly house his children. But, um, yeah, um, in a situation like this, too, it, it, if you're depressed and you sit in one little room by yourself a lot, uh, you end up drinking or, or, you know, doing something stupid. And, Thank God drinking's my only vice right now, you know. But trying to be a, a decent person, a good dad. And... David is far from an isolated case. 6,300 people are evicted throughout America each day. Although in the city, finding accommodation is the main source of anxiety, there is a region where for some, the main worry is simply being able to put food on the table. Welcome to rural America, the Appalachia, in the eastern part of the country, a mountainous region. Appalachia was once widely known for its coal production. These days, almost all of the mines are closed down. It is often said that the American dream got lost somewhere along the way to here. Appalachian region with a predominantly white population is where the poorest counties in the country are found. During the summer, at lunchtime, this food truck travels up and down the disadvantaged areas of Roanoke. Luce and Stacy are two volunteers that give out free meals to children. In the school system, you get lunch and you get breakfast. So a lot, a lot of families depend on that lunch or breakfast that they don't necessarily have to buy, if that makes sense, um, because the school system will provide it for them. Um, but in the summer, from June to mid-August, there's no school. So then where are those meals coming from? So that's where we kind of step in. They serve up to 200 meals a day. And every time they arrive, they are eagerly awaited. I'm doing good, how are y'all? Oh, thanks, Here. Big hug. Big hug. Oh, there we go. Give me a hug, Stacey. Y'all hungry? Yes, I'm starving. Okay. Um, I'm good. On today's menu, 
a sandwich, a carton of milk, and a kiwi. In this family, both parents do not work. They receive 1,200 euros of social welfare a month. But as a family of five, it's barely enough to live on. Well, I try to get in at least two to three, but towards the end of the month when the stamps run low, I'll maybe eat one. One a day. For example, now we are at the end of the month. Yes, one a day. One a day? Yes. Which one? Uh, I usually skip breakfast and lunch, and uh, or yeah, breakfast and lunch, and then I eat dinner. So that's all only I need dinner. Yes, only dinner. Being poor to the point of starving yourself. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Stacy. This reality is nothing new in the Appalachian region. In 1964, during his election campaign, President Johnson visited Appalachia. He was horrified by this poverty. Once elected, he launched a master plan to put an end to poverty. Today, here and now, declares unconditional war on poverty in America. One of his ideas was to create food stamps, which were food coupons given free of charge to the poor. Still to this day, the government distributes these food stamps to 40 million American people. In this mobile home park in the heart of the Appalachia, the majority of families benefit from this food aid. With the American flag hanging from the front steps, this is the mobile home of 58-year-old Sirenia Collins, a former Marine, Sirenia no longer works following a long-term illness. She receives a pension of 700 euros, so every day she tries to get by. Like I said, everything in here is given to me, basically. These were tables that were given to me. They were really ugly. So I'm in the process of painting them and making them a little personal. So that's another way of cutting coffee. This is the queen's chair. <laughs> this is my chair, throne. Comfort. I love it. So it's just something that, actually, when I bought it, it was a big expense. And it was $1,300, so I made payments on it. Only thing in the house that's really expensive for me. You know, so this is my chair. And her financial difficulties have gotten worse since she started to accommodate her niece Jennifer, an unemployed single mother who has three children to take care of. Leah, Lindsay, and Jaden. Fortunately, Jennifer receives food stamps. Every month on the first day, um, according to how many kids you have and your income, they... Um, put, you know, so much on there. And I get, every month on the first, I'll get like six forty, six hundred forty dollars Just to buy food? Just for food, yeah. 560 euros a month to feed five people. A tight budget. Before going shopping, the two women check the balance on their card. Your SNAP balance is $62.38. Serenia and Jennifer can spend their food coupons in any supermarket like this discount store where they regularly go. Once at the checkout, the food stamp card works just like any other credit card. And in this shop in the Appalachia, 
they are by no means the only ones who use it. How many people pay with food stamps here? Um, probably half the people probably coming half. here. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot? Yeah. Yeah? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Donald Trump is planning to cut down on the amount of people who receive food stamps. He risks making an already vulnerable society even poorer. But ironically, here they voted 80% in favor of him, and their support for him continues. To earn a little extra money, Serenia does some household tasks for her neighbors. For a few dollars, she also cuts James's hair, who works in the mine. He is a loyal follower of Donald Trump. I am a Trump fan, yeah. I do support Trump. Why? Because he's done everything he said he'd do. Um, you know, Trump is willing to help other countries, but his country comes first. Um, that's not happened in a long time. Donald Trump is a billionaire. Donald Trump keeps his family everywhere he goes. His children, his wife are everywhere with him. That tells you a lot about a person. Family is in it. Family, and that's why I work for my family. It's been the last so many years, maybe 30 years, that there's not been jobs. Now there is. Our unemployment rate is way down. Really? Yeah. Really. Right now, it's, yeah. Theoret theoretically, <laughs> uh, every person in the USA can have a job. Isn't that what they told us? Every, there is a job for every person with the numbers. So if people want to work, they can find a job. Their unwavering support is somewhat difficult to understand because since his election, the daily life of individuals in the Appalachia has not improved. Poverty is ever-present and has led to some strange occurrences. In this small town, in the middle of the night, dozens of cars enter a showground. Pull right over here for right now. If you'll turn right right here. Sold out, okay? I suggest that you be back here about three or four o'clock. Well, it kind of trips you out because it makes you think it's like if everybody's lined up like you're going to a concert and you get there just to keep your teeth drilled on or something, you know? Actually, these people are arriving by the hundreds quite simply to see a doctor because every year here for a weekend... All you're going to get in this line is medical only. A non-profit organization arranges free consultations. Oh, there is a huge need. Um, a lot of our families in this area are the working class families. They're struggling to, to choose between paying for medicine that can save their life or, you know, groceries for the week. So it, it's, it's a shame to have to, to do it this way, but you got to take care of your people. And these are our people, and this is the way we take care of our people. We made it through it. Even though the health care system improved with Barack Obama, 28 million Americans still do not have any health insurance. Serenia also does not want to miss the event. She spent two hours on the bus to come and camp here. But during the night, a heavy thunderstorm broke out. Good morning. <laughs> We've had an adventure. We had a flood. Literally a flood. It came really dark over, and next thing you know, we've got a gully washer down through here. It 
nothing. Everything in there is soaked. Blankets, everything. And no sleep last night. Serenia has arrived with all her family, her niece Jennifer and her three children. They all need to see the dentist. But medical fees in the United States are the most expensive in the world, beyond the budget for a large section of the population. So staying up all night does not bother them. But I mean, you struggle to have medical assistance. Yeah, it's not easy. Not easy. But you have to do it. Absolutely. The alternative is not a good thing. So, have to. The family arrived the night before because here the rule is first come, first served. At 6 o'clock in the morning, the doors open. They announce the running order. 125. 127. Somebody's sound asleep in the car, eh? 128. So next time we'll call in groups of 20 again, all right? Once inside, these patients discover a full-scale field hospital a scene that resembles more that of a humanitarian disaster. And yet, it's really just modern-day America. Here, people are treated in turn by a horde of volunteers, nurses, family doctors, but also specialists who are able to care for more complicated illnesses. The most remarkable part takes place in this sports hall, transformed into a gigantic dentist office. All day long, 60 dentists descale, drill, fill, and remove teeth by the dozen. A daunting sight for some. Arriving upon the scene, Serenia is overcome with emotion. Beautiful. All the people volunteering. So many people getting help that need it. Before my sister passed away, she had all of her teeth taken out, and she didn't have any teeth to replace them with. And she was younger than I am now, and she was my older sister. So I think about what she went through with health issues because of her teeth, and they're important. In turns, the family are going to be examined. Jaden, the youngest, feels a little uneasy. I want you to brush, even if it's when you come home from school, you gotta get two times, and if you can get three, that's really good. Okay? All right. In a situation like this, prevention is the main goal of these dentists. All has gone well for Jaden. He's eligible for a simple routine checkup. But for Serenia, the medical care that lies ahead is trickier. She's already missing five molars and is worried that they'll remove a sixth one that is extremely damaged. After three hours of waiting, it's her turn to go up. Feels great. Ma'am, are you ready? I think. Ready or not? Right? Sir. <laughs> All right, I'll take you this one. Oh my God. <laughs> a young student about to complete his university degree is going to take care of her. Before treating Serenia, he's already had time to familiarize himself with the job. He spent his morning extracting teeth. Did you extract today? Have you extracted? Um, I've extracted about 15 teeth today. 15? Yep, myself, yeah. So. It's a lot? Yeah. Pretty good day. Yeah, it's a pretty good day, yeah. He will spend 15 minutes removing Serenia's tooth 
his 16th of the day. What do you feel? Like I have a big mouth. <laughs> but here, there's no time to take a breather. Serenia is escorted to the gym locker rooms for the next stage. I got her. Thank you for everything. A dental prosthesis studio, which, like the rest, is led by volunteers and funded by donations. Let's relax. Relax. No, lay your head back. Just relax your lips. Relax. In this room, they take the dental impressions. And in the room next door, a new set of teeth is created in less than two hours. Serenia's new smile is ready. Here we go. How's that feel? Awkward, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, it has teeth. You have teeth? All the way back? Yeah. You're welcome, darling. I want a big smile. Cheese! There you go. Thank you. It knows that I can smile and feel it. That's what I want. That's what I need. <laughs> yeah. What happened? I had tea. They did. No, they put me tea in. If the family had paid for all this treatment, they would have had to spend over $3,000. In the United States, there are still some American citizens that are personally taking action to give aid to the poor. At the other end of the country, a man has embarked upon a mission against poverty which has plagued the sidewalks of his city a legendary city that is seldom associated with poverty. This is Los Angeles, Los Angeles and Hollywood. 38-year-old punk Elvis is furious with what Los Angeles has become in recent years. It's not a third world country. It's one of the richest countries in the world. It's almost like a movie prop. They don't. It's hard to fathom that, like, every single day, this is how people live. Los Angeles is the symbol of the California dream, the heart of Hollywood cinema and the temple of luxury. And yet, today, Los Angeles is the homeless capital of America. In the last few years, the number of homeless people has increased from 33,000 to 55,000. Beneath the business towers, the situation has become tragic. When I was a kid and lived here, it was nothing like it is now. I left for almost two decades, and I came back a few years ago, and it just, it just blows my mind. It's just going to increase because uh, every month, the, the cost of everything keeps going up. There's no regulation, so uh, you know, apartment owners and, and landlords can raise the money, you know, the rent, whenever they like, but nobody's paychecks are getting bigger. 
Outraged by the situation of these homeless people, Elvis gave up his job as a sales assistant. He lives on the salary of his partner, Leah, who works at the university. In this way, Elvis can devote all his time to helping the homeless. A little further from downtown, a woman has moved in beneath this bridge. Elvis and Leah regularly pay her a visit. Cammie has been living here for five years in a small tent that she shares with another woman. Inside, they are at the mercy of the dangers of the street. They've already been assaulted several times. Well, just look at it everywhere. They just, they just tore it right open, and uh, now, now she doesn't even have a door. When she sleeps out here at night, there's also no light right under here, so it's very dark. And, you know, especially as a woman, that's pretty damn scary. Even if a guy, it's, it's scary because anybody can walk up in the dark, walk right in, do whatever they want. To help these people, Elvis wants to do more than just bring them bottles of water. His major project is hiding in the courtyard of his church. He came up with the idea to build small wooden houses for them. They're not big, barely four square meters, but inside, Elvis and Leah have thought of every last thing to improve the daily lives of these homeless people. Yes. So what does it mean? So if someone tries to open the window, the alarm will go off. This right here allows people to sleep. When people sleep, they can think, they can do better. They feel better, they want better. The house is also equipped with a fire alarm, a light, and a phone charger, all of which is powered by a solar panel. Elvis thinks of everything to the last detail in order to give some dignity back to the homeless. He even assigns them an address. They're obviously not going to be, re you know, recognized by the post office or, you know, or something like that, but it's, it's really just psychological. You know, my, my apartment has an address. I'm sure your, your place has an address. That, that's the ultimate goal. Most of the people, anyone that's homeless is, is treated like garbage. You know, once once you have that title, you're you're screwed because people look at you like a monster or, you know, like someone bad or you chose to be there or you're crazy or, you know, and it, it's most of the time it's not the case. And so the the little I mean, it's, it's so easy to dehumanize people, but the little tiny things, it's so easy to bring that back to a person. Each cabin costs 1,000 euros, financed entirely by donations collected on the internet. But his generous initiative is illegal. The mayor of Los Angeles has banned him from installing his cabins on the sidewalks of the city. Elvis doesn't care. And this morning, he's going to deliver one of them to a homeless couple who very much need it. Hey. Hi. I'm Elvis. Hi, I'm Krista. Nice to meet you. This is our dog, Brownie. Hi, Brownie. Crystal is 32 years old and is three months pregnant. She lives on the curb of this sidewalk with her partner, Andre. What's up, buddy? Love you, my nigga. Love you, my nigga. I love you. <laughs> How are you? God, man. I was, I was hoping you weren't going to be gone long. That's the mother to be. 
For four years now, the couple have been sleeping in this tiny wheeled cart that is swarming with bugs. Yeah, man, it's like bed bugs. And, I mean, it's eating me, eating me alive, man. Like I said, you can, everything, all these little different marks, man, from mostly not being able to have good hygiene. Elvis does not feel like hanging around. So the trick is to get this, get this done and off before the cops show up. But all the same, the small house weighs 400 kilograms, and the wheels remain stuck on the street. Yep, all we gotta do is... A neighbor and another homeless person from the neighborhood come to lend him a helping hand. Thank you. I'm starting to bring them back out, man. And as soon as the home is set up, other homeless people are begging him for a small house. I'll be back. I have a, I have a couple more uh, almost ready to go. So, okay. thank, you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Much appreciated. I'm going to get a house. No more living in a tent. But his project does not quite make everyone happy. Why don't you go back in your house and enjoy the air conditioning? A neighbor has come to express her discontent. She's against this. Why? She, uh, she doesn't want it in front of her house. She's calling the police, and so we need to hurry along, and we'll pray that they are allowed to keep their house. This is how it goes in Los Angeles. Yeah. Good luck to both of you. Congratulations. A few days after filming, the police threatened Elvis that they would destroy his cabin if he didn't remove it. He decided to move it with the couple onto privately owned land. In the end, the disgruntled neighbor won her case. But some people are trying to fight the snubbing of the homeless people in fascinating ways. are heading to Texas, to Puritan Waco. This city has around 50 churches for its 120,000 residents. Here, once a month, a religious community organizes a strange program. People come from all over the United States to take part in it. For you? Not really. No. no? No idea. A little bit. What? What do you know? Um, we're going to be homeless. For 24 hours, these high school students are going to live, eat, and sleep like the homeless. Much like 20 or so other participants, all from middle class backgrounds. Each person has paid 60 euros to take part in this project. Janet Durrell came up with the idea 25 years ago. The wife of a minister, she's already accepted 30,000 people to take part in this astonishing role-play challenge. The goal is to create compassionate care for humanity and poverty. Everybody can get the American dream, but when you're trapped in poverty and the cycles of poverty, you have to have an advocate to get you out. According to Janet, in order to truly experience the life of a homeless person, you have to start by looking like them. In this second-hand clothes store, the participants are encouraged to dress like them. 
I don't know. I don't know what homeless people wear. I probably wear these, though. For the moment, it's not too demanding, but it is going to get more complicated with the second stage, sleeping out in the open. Not in the streets, but safely in this fenced yard. However, 53-year-old mother Marta is slightly concerned. You know, I'm scared of bugs. I'm scared of bugs. She thought long and hard before signing up to the program. It was her husband who convinced her to take the plunge. It doesn't look like real homeless situation. Right, right, yes, yes. It doesn't smell like poop. It doesn't smell like urine. It is, there's not rats running everywhere. Yeah, no. This is definitely luxury homelessness. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. A fact that is a comfort nevertheless, and it won't be a very long night. Good morning, everyone. At 6 o'clock in the morning, Janet Durrell gives everyone a wake-up call, and they don't look particularly well-rested. Come on, Martha. <laughs> it's not a real homeless situation. They're safe. They're safer than being on the street, but this is not as safe as being in the home with their family. So it just gives them a little bit more reality of what living in the environment does on your body. So by tonight, it takes about 24 hours to really start getting the idea that this, this could be really rough. For the next stage of the program, the participants are let loose in the city center. Their task is to find something to eat on their own and without any money. You can smell the food. Yeah. So, should we, should I ask this guy? We can. In Waco, like in many other cities in the United States, begging is a punishable offense. It's also forbidden to rummage through the garbage cans. Oh, there's no food in there? They are owned by the city, and reclaiming anything at all is considered stealing. In order to survive, the homeless in Waco are therefore forced to break the law. Our two participants are not going to find anything to eat. And after two hours of walking through the streets in 40-degree heat, Marta feels faint. She must resort to calling her husband to the rescue. But I feel like, I feel like I'm too weak. Well, you've like learned I'm something too, about yourself. Like I'm too old and fat, I can't do it. You've learned something about yourself. And what it would, like, what it would be like to be homeless at your age, yeah. and it'd be hard. Are Americans truly ready to face up to poverty? Perhaps not. Their leader, Donald Trump, has recently announced that the rate of poverty is falling dramatically. Despite this, 40 million of his fellow citizens are still suffering in its clutches.
Hallelujah. I made it through another day's journey. God kept me here, hallelujah, to work unto him. He kept me here so that I could tell somebody about the goodness of him. Almighty God that have all the power. There's no higher power. There's nothing too hard for him to do. Again, this morning, with man, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. But we must believe and we must trust him. I was listening at all of this. And they had these places set up where uh, if you had no medical insurance of any kind, you could go out and get some medical treatment. But it was set up like uh, when the Army uh, or Navy or Marines or whoever is set up somewhere and soldiers have to come in and be checked. Yeah, they had it set up like that for, for, for everyday people. And people living in their cars. They have a certain parking lot that they allow them to park their cars in. And a lot of these people have brand new cars. And so they work in every day. Some people work in two, three jobs a day to keep their car because that's the only roof they have over their head. And to provide food for themselves. The one man you heard, he do stuff for the pizza company. And the pizza company give him all the slices of pizza they didn't sell in a certain time. So he come in and he get all the slices of different kind of pizzas and take it back and share it with other homeless people. Yeah, and and I heard the man say sometimes they think people are slowful, lazy, on drugs, crazy, all kind of stuff. But some people are homeless because of money, you know, situations. Yeah, what that one lady that lived in her truck, she had a brand new SUV. And her husband come one day and just told her, I don't want to be married no more. I don't want to do this no more. Bye. And she left. And she left with absolutely nothing. And she lived in California to start over again. But she, when she went out to test the housing market, all of these places were too expensive. She worked two jobs, but she still couldn't afford a place to live. I've seen apartments way before or they say that we are in a recession or whatever they're saying we are in now that made things go up so expensive. I've seen a, a studio. A studio don't have a bedroom. It's just an open room, and it have a bathroom. And in that bathroom, you may only have a shower and a toilet, no sink, no facial sink. In the little area for cooking, you have a microwave, uh, a little sink, you know, uh, and you may have a little toaster oven on a counter. That's it. The rest of it is your bedroom. You have to decide what little area you want to make for your living room. And that's it. That was $1,100 way back when, in the early 2000s. Some of them were $1,500. I couldn't imagine what it is now. And you had only just a little tiny space. So what they're saying is America is the richest country, but there's poverty and poor people here. And people are trying to do things and figure out ways to help the richest country to take care of its poor. But I know the only way, and people may not agree with me, 
But the only way for things to get right in this country and any other place, any other country, is we must totally come back to God with our whole heart. Yeah. We must turn to God. If you want your life to be better, turn to God. If you're missing something, you don't have what you think you should have, turn to God. I'm just telling you. Because if we'll give him our all, he will give us his all. Uh, You may be unemployed. You may not have no money. You may not know where your next meal is going to come from because you've been trying to do this thing on your own. You don't know how you're going to pay your bills because they're threatening on the job to cut, to do this, to do that. But now unto him is able to keep us from falling and even keep us blameless before his throne when we stand before him. This same God can make it possible for everything you need. Now, I'm not telling you what somebody told me. I'm telling you from experience. When it comes to the economy, when it comes to stuff and things, I don't look to the world. I don't look to credit. What's your credit score? I don't know. I don't really care. Well, where are you going to get the money from? I don't, I don't really particularly concern myself with that. I told God what I need. He has supplied for me ever since I can remember. And once I truly came to him in 1993, I've seen God supply over and over and over again. But what I had to learn was one of the most important things, to accept what God allowed. If he allowed me to be in a one-bedroom apartment, I'm going to accept that, keep it clean, and live the best that I can, invite whoever I want to the one-bedroom apartment, and keep serving God, keep working unto him. Because when I look up and I'm telling him what I need, in many cases, I tell him what I want. And I take my eye off the need and the want and put my eyes back on him and the work. And when I look up, God has supplied. Now I'm in a three-bedroom house and it's just me. I don't even need the other room. Take one room, make an office, sleep in one room, and the other room is just for guests. I have more room than I need. I didn't focus on my situation. I focused on the one who could fix my situation. I stayed focused on what he chose me to do, what he called me to. I stayed focused in prayer, focused in his word, and walking according to his word the very best that I can. It didn't make me perfect. I still have a ways to go in him. But I thank God for Apostle Paul this morning. I thank God that he knocked him off that horse going up to the mountain blinded him, <laughs> gave him a change of heart and mind. And I thank God for his writings. Yeah. Because he said he'd let nothing separate him, not bills, not when my bills do and I don't have the money, not they got this and they got that and I don't have it. No. I can't let that separate me from the love of God. I got to keep going in him. I got to remain loving him. Again, today, he's the often finisher of our faith. He's the God that can increase your faith. Sometimes that's what we need to do, increase our faith. Believe God more. Trust him more. 
It's going to do more than bring you out all right. Because who loves you? He does. Well, I know people tell you they love you. I know people say, I'm going to be there for you. And when the time comes, they know where to be found. You can't just go in the bank. I don't care how long you've been banking there. Many times you can't go in the bank and, and, and require a loan because of credit. They're looking at your credit history. And if the numbers are not where they need them to be, they can't trust you. But I learned this. My numbers can be 800 today and fall all the way to 400 tomorrow. They won't hire people that, in many cases, that have a record. Well, I went to work for you without a record, but while I was working there, I created one. I, I, I come up with one. I've seen people that do what they call embezzlement with the company. Now, when they started working there, they had no record. But while working there, they created one. They came up with a record. They broke the law. And if we're dependent on man way of doing things, we in for a rude awakening. I'm just here to tell you today. If you're not dependent on Jesus, I don't know what to tell you to depend on. Because all of this man stuff, one day it's going to go away. I'm, I'm just giving you a warning, just giving you a head You may wake up in the morning and have absolutely nothing. All that you done did. It is gone away. Only what we do for God is going to last. I'm here to tell you. If you got your heart and mind in him, you're going to be all right. Because he's able to see us through over and over and over again. He's able to make it all right for you better than all right. And I don't care how long we say we've been saved, how long we say we've got his head of spirit living in us. If ever there was a time to draw closer to him and seek him more, now is that time. Yeah. The world has become wickeder and wiser. It appears nobody likes the truth. Nobody. There was a way God had planned. Man didn't like it. So he's sitting around thinking of a way he can change it. So he put a lot of entertainment in the church because how many know entertainment? We love entertainment. That's why we have TV, radio, uh, DVDs. Yeah, we love entertainment. We put the DVDs in our cars because we love entertainment. Many go to concerts and all kinds. We love entertainment. We go to the movies. We love entertainment. We go out to eat. We love entertainment. And we go out with somebody. We love being entertained. But the believer, the Christian, the saint of God, we got to get past that entertainment. We got to get past, oh, they're going to praise dance today. Oh, choir number one going to sing today. The youth choir going to sing. You know, they rock when they, we got to get past the entertainment and see Jesus. You hear me today? We got to get past the world and see God and obey his word to the last letter. 
We got to stop letting things separate us from his love. You can't hold this against me. You can if you choose to, but it won't work. I wasn't there when God inspired man to write his word. I I wasn't even thought of just yet, I don't think. But we got to stay in his word. We got to obey his word. And his word says this, if we don't obey him, we don't belong to him. I know, I know they think they can do this and that and I still belong to God and I got it. No, no, no. If we are obeying him. He even said obedience is better than the sacrifice. We pay tithes and offerings. Some of us sacrifice and give. He said to do all of that. And he honors all of that. But he honor obeying him more than anything. When I pay my tithes and offerings, that's for obedience. When I plant seeds, I give, that's obedience. When I love those that appear to be unlovable, that's obedience. Here lately, I've been battling with people who are prejudiced. Not, not, not white people, these black people. They only want to watch black movies. They only want to entertain black stuff. They want to, everything they see, they want to be negative to it. Oh, you see they doing that? That's because they don't want no blacks in there. Foolishness. Nonsense. In many cases, white people done moved on. They got black grandchildren, black great-grands. They could care less about color anymore because it's in their close family. Many times it's black folks sitting up holding all this foolishness and finding everything prejudiced. But God so loved the world. He didn't say he loved just black folks. He didn't say he just loved white folks. He just loved Asian people. He just loved our brothers and sisters overseas. That is, that's not what he said. The scripture said, read it, John 3, 16. But God so loved the world. And that, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's everybody. But see, when you in the world and of the world, this when you enter all of this stuff. A bunch of stuff they say Kanye West said. I didn't even look for it. I, I don't follow foolishness. And then the Jews had a rebuttal. They had something to say. But I don't have time for that. I got time for him that woke me up this morning closing my right mind. I got time for him to lead and guide me through my day. I have time to follow him that keep me safe from all hurt, harm, or danger. I call on his name. He'll come right now. That's who i got time for. I've got time for man and his foolishness. Because there's a way to seem right to a man, and the end thereof is destruction. So I'm not going to follow you and be destroyed with you talking about what you're talking about. No, sir, no, ma'am. I serve a risen Savior. Hey, glory. Ah, thank you. He saved me one day from me. He gave me a new heart and a new mind. Yeah, a new way of thinking. He brought me out of darkness into this marvelous light. Darkness shined in darkness and I was able to comprehend it was Jesus I needed. And I come on to the light. He made me the candle that sit on the hill that can't be healed. He made me the salt of the earth. I'm what give the earth its savor. 
is flavor. Because of me and many more like me, he keeps the world, well, he keeps America safe so far. But the day we turn God truly down, we turn our back completely on him, and we don't want him no more, you're going to see America fall. And it won't be falling. You know how leaves fall off a tree and take it a while to just dwindle on down to the ground. Now, it won't be like that. It'll be a big bam. And it's over. But we, many of us, continue to lift up the name of Jesus so that he can draw others unto him. Because if you don't draw, they can't come. We can go out and do flips for them. Uh, uh, uh. We can give them the last pen in our bank account. Unless God draws, they can't come. And many of us, we fight with politics trying to keep it on the right, on the even. We vote for politicians we believe going to do we the people right. I don't, I don't know if there's such a thing today. Man loves evil more than good. It's nothing for a man to lie. Oh, when I get in office, I'm for the people. I'm going to do this. Look here. The devil waiting on you to get there. And he's going to show you some things. And you're going to get frustrated and aggravated with people. Because, see, when you're in the world and people say something about you, you hate them. You're not going to give them. What? I'm not going to give them nothing. But when you're in Jesus, he taught you to love your enemies. So they're going to say some things. They're going to do some things against you. You got to keep right on in Jesus. If they need you, them same people, you're going over there to their rescue. Their eyes going to get big when they see you because they know what they done said or done. But you're there to serve. You're not there to thin and prove and pull it out. Yeah, you know you said this about me. And, and you've done this. That's not who we are. Oh, we, I could tell you some things, and you'd be like, what? Oh, yeah, they did that. But greater is he that lives within me than he that is in the world. And I have to let them go, go because, again, every tub must sit on its own bottom, and then this is what's going to happen. He said, I didn't say it. His word says, let the wheat and the tail grow together in the day of harvest. I'll do the separation. Vengeance is not mine. It's the Lord's. I continue to obey because no weapon that is formed against me, it's not going to prosper. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper again. Yeah. I got God on my side, almighty God that have all power. A lie is just what it is, a lie. It's not the truth. No point in me trying to fix it, put my finger in it, turn it out, leave it alone. It's a lie. I can't be concerned today with what people say about me. It's how they feel. It's their thoughts. I know how God feels about me and how I feel about myself and how I feel about us. And I can't give an account of what people do to me. I have to give an account of what I do to them. And I keep it moving in Jesus' name. But they say America is the richest country. 
poverty in the USA being poor in the world's richest country. Look it up on YouTube. Poverty in the USA being poor in the world's richest country. People won't believe me when I say Jesus is the answer. Hallelujah. For the world today, without him there's no other. Jesus is the way. One more time. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Without him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Uh-huh. If we go to God, he and his father bear one, if we go to God sincerely and seek his face, willing to turn from our wicked ways, he's going to hear from heaven. He's going to forgive the sin and heal the land. He will heal America if America can fully everybody come back to God. But see, America let all kind of uh, demons and spirits, uh, they do all kinds. These folks showing other folks the evil to do. Leadership don't keep their mind on God. They keep their mind on the next dollar bill. They don't keep their mind on what's right. They keep their mind on it's my thing. I'm going to do what I want to do. Oh, but there's a day coming. Everybody, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is king of kings and lord of lords. He is almighty God. I'm going to holler in a minute. He is who he say he is. He's Alpha and Omega. Hallelujah. He is the beginning. He's the beginning and the end. There's no higher power than him. He's for us today. And if he be for us, he's more than the whole world against us. But we must be for him. When will we be for him? It unchanged the church in many cases. It done turned into an entertainment empire. We don't go to church looking for God. Many people go to church now. They're not even fearful of going in the house of the Lord. They're not fearful. They're going there looking in the way they want to look. They're going there doing anything they want. Look, I remember going to church and you didn't do a bunch of talking. What? You do that after church. When you get there, it's time to go to the altar. Time you hit the door, come on to the altar. There ain't no sense in putting your purse and Bible on the pew and looking around at Sister Jane. How you doing, girl? I was looking for you, sat. No, you wasn't. You're telling that after church because it's time to go to the altar. And you was taught, you don't go to the altar just praying for you and your family. You go to the altar praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ. You go to the altar praying for leadership. Leadership of the country, leadership in the church, leadership in business. You go to the altar asking God to keep America together. You go to that altar asking God to have his way today in his service, in his house. Save the laws, restore the backslider. Let these be the people that you're coming back looking for. You go to the altar with something on your heart and mind, not not no talk. We do that after church. After church, hey, he back. Hey, I came by your house Saturday. You went home. I said, yeah, I was just right up the street. I didn't call because I was just going to come on by. But uh, you wasn't there. But I just wanted you to know I came by to check on you. All right. 
And somebody after church this Sunday, somebody going to say, hey, Yvette, uh, I baked that caramel cake. You want to come by and get a slice? I cook too if you want a plate. That's after church. That's after altar. That's not before. If I pass to the church today, that's the way it would have to be. Don't come in here with a bunch of talking and foolishness. Don't, don't bring the world in here. I need you at the altar. I need you crying out to God. Don't, don't even wear all them hats and all that stuff. Come on in here with something long on and comfortable and get on that altar. Some folks get on there calling Jesus. Oh, they need him. Yeah. But see, they, 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 they allowed the church to be changed. They, they shut the mothers up. They made the deacons sit down. Deacon, I'll call you when I need you. They put the praise team up. And, and, and these whores and fornicators and alcoholics and weed smokers and addressing half-naked folks and women that are fighting, men that are all kind of mess. But they set the true mothers and the true deacons down in this house. In America, they set God in the corner, they think, put him in a box. And they think they can tell him to come out when they want to use him. But let me tell you something. It get worse before it get better. Someone told me, said, now, if you remember when we had prayer in school, we didn't have all this stuff. Folks didn't go to school with, with guns. Folks didn't go to the school to kill up a bunch of kids. But they took prayer out of school. And when I went to school, now, I, that was old school, as they call it. I'm 65. When I went to school, you didn't just pray, but you had a, a Bible verse <laughs> you had to say. They didn't play all of that. And in school, you, you couldn't do what you, you couldn't say what you want. You didn't have no rights as a child. You didn't know what right was because you didn't know right from wrong. Somebody had to train. So you obeyed the teacher. It was her job to teach you, and it was your parents' job to teach you manners at home and how to carry yourself in the public. All of that's gone down the tube. Parents ain't teaching them nothing now. Oh, they may teach them how to get a dollar bill and how to play a video game and how to clown out here. They call it expressing their voice. You know, they got something to say, and it don't make sense. I've never seen a weak people like these people. I, I've never seen that before. On the job, you, the supervisor got to be careful what he say to the employee on the job. And you come here to work for me, I need you to work. But the supervisor got to be careful what he say to the employee might hurt the employee feelings. What? And the supervisor got to go through a bunch of rigmarole before he can get you off his job where he needs you to work so that the company can be successful so we all can continue to draw a paycheck. Where I come from, <laughs> yes, sir, I know about that. Where I come from, let me tell you something. <laughs> On the job, either you did the job or he gave you the dough, take it how you wanted to. You applied to work. You didn't apply to come be my best friend. You didn't apply for the He chose what he wanted to do on his job. It was his company. And he didn't put some supervisor. The owner, I don't care how much money he made, the owner made sure 
that the job was going right. Because he never was dependent on his company failing. And he didn't have one person doing the job of 10 people, even three people. No, he didn't do that. Now, two of y'all could get together and help each other. But you had your job, and when he looked at it, he wanted the job done. When he, he went over everything that your job title was, your job duties, he didn't come in the middle of the job coming, I got to add. So if he added something else to you, he said, this is a promotion, I'm adding this, and this how much more you're going to get. It was a good day's work for a good day's pay. All that's gone out the window. Old school, they call it. Back in the day, a man's word really was his bond. If he said he was going to do it, you could shake his hand and it was done. If it came up, even if it was a credit situation, you went to a, a, a store where you was known, the, the, the shop, and you said, listen, I need to get uh, four pair of pants and I won't be able to pay for them until next month. Or can I get a pay plan on this? Now, if they gave you a payment plan, they told you when your payments was due. If you couldn't make your payments, you didn't call. You you went face to face and looked them in their face so that you could tell them, I can't make the payment. An emergency come up, but I'll double my payment the next time. Or can we stretch the payment out? That's the kind of deals they had going. An adult could say something something to you about what you was doing and no parents cussed them out. Honey, they cussing the, the, the school teachers out. I heard one lady say, look here, uh, uh, educator, you see this one right here? You be careful how you treat this one because he got a whole army back in him. The aunts, the uncles, the cousins, everybody going to come out here to whoop you if you mistreat this one in a way that we think you mistreated him. Not the way he was mistreated, but the way we think you mistreated. So you want to put fear in the educator so your child can, can be a fool and not educated. Because how many know folly is in the heart, foolishness is in the heart of a child? Yeah. Yes, sir, and we did that too, Brother Lewis. We had to do that Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> to that flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Every morning, five days a week, that's what you did. You prayed, we had to quote a scripture, and the whole class together did that Pledge of Allegiance to that flag, that red, white, and blue flag. And no disrespect, I wish you would. Uh, uh, act like you weren't going to get up and pledge your allegiance to that flag. She'll punish you. Yeah. But I noticed something. In junior high school, things started changing. Things started changing. And it wasn't changing for the good. In a little while, they integrated the school. At first, it was integrated with white teachers in the black community. I don't know if it was black teachers in the white community. I doubt that. But it was white teachers in our black school. And then I noticed the change, you know, slowly but surely. And children, it appeared to me, lost respect somewhere in that, even for parents. 
Because, you know, they like to talk about the, uh, what they call that thing. You know, the new wave, new age stuff. They have a modern day. Back then, you would hear people say, oh, it's modern times now, child. We don't, we don't do that like that. They, they soul was into modern until they just modern themselves right out of what was good and the system that was truly working. And I think it was working for everybody, if I'm honest, to a certain degree. See, let me tell you, separation sometimes is a good thing. He was the one that said, come out from among them and be separated. Come out the world and be separated from the world and the ways of the world. I'm not talking about people now. I'm not talking about people. Don't get it twisted. But the way I was brought up and the way it was done in my community, it kept us safe. I could walk anywhere I wanted to walk where nobody was going to touch me. Nobody was going to say nothing to me. I went where I had to go and come back. Now, in the event an, uh, an adult said, uh, 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 Bobby Jean, come pick this up off the floor. I picked it up off the floor and put it where they told me, and I went on home and I told my mom what I had done. And later on, let's say her and Miss Sue Allen or whatever the native was, lady was named got to talk. She said, oh, yeah, I meant to tell you, I had Bobby Jean to pick a plant up off the floor for me. She said, yeah, she come home and told me. That kind of stuff. No accountability nowhere today. You don't even have to be accountable to work today. Just go down there and tell them you're not working. Go down there and tell them you're not eating. And they're just going to give you a bunch of stuff, whatever it is. But even back in that day, you had to go to work. You didn't work, you didn't eat. Later on, they came up with the commodity food. Remember the government food in the can and, and all of that, the cheese and the butter? <laughs> Good, that tasted good to me. They used to tell me that was horse meat in the can. I, I used to say some days, but let me cut some of this horse meat up. I've been telling you the truth. I'm going to put this horse meat with them three trinity, they call them the bell pepper, the silver, and the onion. And I'm going to dump me some tomatoes over in that horse meat and let it simmer down. And I'm going to put that over some white rice. It, it's going to be a wrap. Huh? If we could go back to the right thinking, because we think doing more, we, we're doing better. But we, we've lost so much, and we're still losing so much. We done lost the respect for God and his house and, and his word and the men and women of God. We done lost. Light shining in darkness, it can't even comprehend. Because folks working with their feelings. I pray that I'm working with what I know about God, what I know about his word, not how I feel. Because there are going to be many days I'm not going to get what I want. There are going to be many days I feel this way or that way. But it's not going to be in my feelings. It's going to be what I know about the word of God. You got to know today. Come out of the entertainment world. Don't let entertainment drag you down. Oh, they put more and more foolishness on TV that will drag you into the world because people like raunchy, evil stuff. We come from an evil nature. In sin did my mother conceive me. Now, that's the scripture. That's not Barbara. That's not what I said. That's what the word of God said. 
Oh, I should have known you back then, Brother Louis. I would have been over there begging for cheese. You got that government cheese, Brother Louis? <laughs> Let me get a can of that horse meat. Y'all got apple juice up and that butter. Let me get some of that butter. Real butter. Yeah. They gave the real green beans in the can. Real green beans. I think the prisoners did that stuff. Don't you think they, uh, what they call it, Brother Lord? Don't you think they did it? They canned everything and put it out there. They even gave rice and yellow grits. Anybody remember all of that back in the day? I know some of y'all too young to know about that kind of thing. Boy, you cook them yellow grits and put that butter in them. And back then, you get the slab of bacon, but my parents did, and they sliced the slab of bacon with a, a sharp knife and made it kind of thick, and she put it off in the oven. We called it drying it out. Oh, and the fat smoke on it was so good to me. Yeah, I think that's why I'm overweight today. Canned pork, chicken, and beef. Yes, sir. The big number 10 can. And then the, 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 the pork, what they call... I don't know what kind of meat that was. It was in a smaller can. And it, that was, that's what they were calling the horse meat, Brother Lewis. But to me, it was a mixture between Spam and something else. I don't know, some other kind of meat. But the pork in the can, we got that too. The chicken in the can. Because she used the chicken to make pot pie or chicken and dumplings. I remember that. Yeah. And this lady came and taught her how to use the... Uh, plain flour without the baking powder and the salt in it. She taught her how to measure the salt and baking powder and put in there so that the big fat yeast rolls would rise. And she made them like a four-leaf clover in a, in a, a muffin pan. But they had yeast in them, and they was light and airy and fluffy. Y'all know I love talking about food. Don't go there. She always talk. She gonna say something about some groceries. Oh yes, I am. I enjoy them. I thank God for food. Somebody don't have none. Peanut butter. Go on and talk about it, then, brother Louis. <laughs> yeah, and it had a lot of oil in the peanut butter. You right. You had to stir it up good. Dog, I should have known you back then. I'd have come over there. We call it choke. I'd have came over there and got some of that peanut butter. Some of that choke from you now. Yeah. But God was good to his people back then, but you had to work. You had to work. They had certain days when you go pick up the commodities, the government food. And my mom would take off to pick up the food because my dad was at work. Yeah. And they based it off the size of your house. And I can remember people coming and asking my mama for cans of meat. Cans of the horse meat. Sister Pittman, you got any rice in that government rice? But my mama, she didn't never fool with the government rice. To, to me remembering, she always bought my hatma. And she would give other people the government rice to use. But it didn't go to waste. Nothing went to waste. And people coming off the road back then, they called them hobos. Today they call them transit. But the hobos would come off the road and she would feed them and sometimes they done walk so far, holes would be in their shoes. And they would tell her what size shoe and she would look and see if she had that size shoe in the house and give that to them. Yeah. All that kind of stuff went on. We were fearful of adults. Yeah. Fearful. 
out of respect. But today, all that appear to be going down the drain. Children lost so much. They took so much from children. Children being born adults now because they tell them everything, show them everything. It wasn't like that for me. I can't complain. I had a good childhood. I could, but I won't. I knew my parents loved me, ate good. Yeah, I was telling somebody about that the other day. Hey, look here. I didn't want no side. I didn't want no bacon. I didn't want no biscuits and keep the syrup. What? Girl, we was over there eating microwaves. Well, did they, did she make croquettes out of them? No, they just dump them out the can. Oh, no, no, no. Well, stop complaining. Yeah, because my mom could cook. And they didn't buy micro, but they bought salmon. And that wasn't often because salmon back then in the can was a bit expensive for that time, you know. Yes, sir. It's the day coming we will eat more beans and rice soon. What you say, Louis? <laughs> and I learned how to cook it, so I'm good. I, I, on purpose, I learned how to cook beans and rice. Like the Haitian cook, what them is, peas and rice? Oh, let me tell y'all something. You're talking about something good, peas and rice. Yeah, I love it. I think the Jamaicans cook pigeon peas and rice. Is that it? Oh, that's something good. Some good eating right there. Yeah. And so I thank God today for food. And thank God he's a supplier of our need. And we need to come out of being thinking that we more than we ought. And thinking that we deserve all of this new wave, new age stuff, and I just got to have this, and I got to. I cut myself off from all that clothes buying. Yeah. Because, you know, when you find a way sometimes, God opens a door. Uh, he's not opening a door for you to just continue to keep walking through this particular door. It's for a season. But, I mean, he leave it open if you just want to. I found a way to buy clothes. And every time I turned around, I was trying to buy some dresses. I love dresses, long dresses. Ooh, I love them. Okay, you got enough. Now don't buy no more. Go through your closet and clean it out. And give those clothes to somebody. There are some women who need clothes to wear to work. Yeah. Some women own a business, but they don't have enough clothes to, you know, dress the part. Because a lot of times people say, oh, she got her own business, she rich. No, she got bills. She ain't got no money. She got bills, though. He don't have no money. He have bills. We thank God this morning that if we seek him with our whole heart and if we'll stay before him and if we'll keep our mind on him, he will keep us in perfect peace. Hallelujah. Uh, we got a few minutes. If anyone have something they would like to say this morning, Please feel free to press that number one and come in. Look like I see Brother Anthony down there. Hey, I got you later on, Brother Anthony. <laughs> Sister Rita, look like I see Rita over here. Good morning, Sister Rita. Pastor David, good morning to you. God bless you. And uh, my 708, good morning to you. I saw you yesterday. God bless you this morning. Sister Irene, God bless you. And uh, Sister Dr. Goodman. 
Honey Bunny, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, good morning to you, Sister Senna. Good morning to you, Minister Shonda. Good morning to you, Sister Jerry. Good morning to you. God bless you this morning. And uh, did I miss, oh, did I say good morning to Sister Senna? And I thought that was Dr. Good. But wait a minute, y'all. I'm messing up something here. Wait a minute. Oh, that is that number. All right. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Sister Mary Ann and all of those on the roll call, brother. brother uh, oh, why I can't remember the man's name. He was praying. I put him on my Facebook page, praying over there. Good morning to you, Brother George West Perry. He was in the chat room yesterday, and I heard from Brother Jermaine. Y'all know he sent me a little clip to look at. And uh, different ones. God bless you this morning, Brother D. And um, I hope I'm not missing nobody. Brother Cal. And uh, I don't have a roll call list before me. But uh, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for those that come through the podcast and the archives. God bless you. I've seen a lot of people come through while I was on my little vacation. God bless you. Thank you so much. And uh, on Friday, uh, we had Carolyn Spain coming before, but she had death in her family. So I spoke with her yesterday, and she's supposed to be coming on Friday to give her testimony. Yeah. Oh, we had a good time yesterday. We had a good time. On that phone yesterday, she said, you told me money going to fall all around me. She said, and honey, it's been falling. Oh, yeah, we care, God. Thank you. Because, see, you got to believe God. You can't look at me. I can't make money fall around you. If I could, it would be falling all down on the floor, and I'd be picking it up right now going shopping. But if God speaks it, not Barbara, you got to hear him and believe what he says and walk in what he says. Don't look at me. Don't even consider me. Yeah, I'm a vessel that only that he can use. That's it. Yeah, I don't have the power to give you what he can, but if he spoke it, it shall surely come to pass. It may be 10 years, but if he spoke it, it shall surely come to pass. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to one more song, of, one more request, brother, of the morning. And uh, when we come back, if no one have anything they would like to say, I will pray us out today. And we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning. 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. Let's go to this.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, Mr. Russ tabbed this morning and when he set me free. And I could imagine how he felt because let me tell you something. When he brought me out, I was excited. When he brought me out, I was so happy. Oof, I didn't know things could be as good. Yeah, and I never look back. I don't have to because it gets better. Yeah, with, for me. Yeah, he makes things better daily. Don't mean I don't have problems and troubles and situations, but with him, all things are possible. Yeah, and I can do all things through him that strengthens me. Yeah, no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. I can look to the hills from which comes my help. I'm going to run in a minute. All of my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. I may have said I, but please believe me, it was never me. It was always him. Yeah, and anything good that I've done, he did it. I was just a vessel. Hallelujah. So we thank God this morning again, over and over. We can't help but thank him. And uh, we give him glory, honor, and praise. And if no one have anything they would like to say, I will pray us out this morning. I see that Sister Rita cute. And uh, I pray that the Lord again bring us up. Good morning, Sion. God bless you this morning, honey bunny. And uh, I pray that the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning. Good morning to you, Sister Samoa. God bless you, Sugarfoot. And uh, we pray that he bring us back. 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time again today for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all that. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for all that has been said and done today. Father, we thank you for your word. For your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And forever, O oh God, thy word is settled in heaven. As we depart this morning, we ask that you would sanctify us through that truth. For, Father, that word is truth today. We ask that, Lord, you would remind us that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by faith, Father, the elders obtained a good report. We ask as we depart this morning that, Father, we would trust in you with all our heart and lean not to our own understandings. In all our ways, we will acknowledge you, and, Father, you will direct our path. Help us not to be wise in our own eyes. Father, help us to fear you and depart from evil. And, Lord, let nothing separate us from your love. In the name of Jesus, use us in your service to be a blessing unto others. Help us to cry loud and spare not. Father, let us be that church that you're coming back looking for. We need you today. And, Lord, if you don't do it through us and in us, it can't be done. We're willing to be your vessel. We're willing to be the candle that sit up on the hill that can't be hid. Brighten our light, oh God, so that others can see the way to you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Many need you today. And, Lord, some don't know how to come. But, Lord, as we lift you up, it's you that would draw. Help today, oh God. Help us to hold up the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ. Oh, so that others can find you today. And, Lord, you will make them fishers of men. Help today, oh God, again. Bless our going out today and our coming in. 
Father, meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. And Father, those that stand in the need of money, money answers all things. Do it for us today in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We give you glory. We give you the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name, we ask it all again. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Listen. I got a feeling everything is going to be all right. And look, when you think on it today, if you can remember, I need you to give God some praise. If you got a nice praise song you can sing or play, go ahead and give God some praise because some things falling down around you. Uh huh, uh huh. If you do it, praises. You heard when the blessings, when the praises go up, the blessings of Almighty God come down, and some of us need some blessings. So go ahead and do it. Hallelujah. And watch God move for you in the name of Jesus. Ah, yeah. Hallelujah. We're going to this one. It may not play all the way through this morning, but we're going to this one, and this will be our last song of the morning. And after this one, we won't be coming back. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Oh, <laughs> 
It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.